Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me on his lonesome this week is my good mate, 60s. No Quint, the big fella's feeling a little bit crook, so we'll be uh, in action without him. 60s, we're ripping in, ready to go. How are you feeling? Mate, let me first of all tell you about my experience last night, just very quickly. So it was a, a catch-up over dinner with my good mate, Trouser Eel, and his lovely wife, Susan. We're at a uh, local restaurant, uh, nice meal, Etc. I get home, get out of the, you know, changed from the trousers into the shorts. I look at the back of my trousers. I've got this white smiley mouth going across the arse of my pants. <laughs> now, apparently, because I rang up the restaurant with a WTF phone call, but apparently... There was some mysterious white, I assume it was a cleaning substance, that was coating the uh, outer edges of the chair on which I was seated. So the chair mark, the mark <laughs> of the chair... Gave you the big smiley had, face. Had transferred, ...had transferred onto the back of my pants, resulting in like a big smile on the back... Just confirmation you had a great so evening. So I'm strolling out of the restaurant completely oblivious that um, I was letting people know that I was happy <laughs> as I departed. But, um, yeah, look, fortunately, whatever it was came out of the trousers with uh, some cleaning product and a lot of scrubbing and washing and what have you. I, I wouldn't have been too impressed if it had came out because they were an expensive pair of pants. I'll give you the tip. But, um, yeah, so that's that was my little story from last night. Oh, mate, you have to laugh about it because um, <laughs> even though it's potentially an embarrassing moment, it's, um, uh, yeah, if, if you can't laugh, well, what else can exactly. you Exactly. Got to be able to take the mickey out of yourself just a little bit. We've got plenty to talk about 60s. No Parramatta signings, but a lot of Parramatta news one way or the other, plus plenty of signings in the NRL. It was an absolute transaction fiesta this week. Uh, club signing and re-signing all across the park. As always, though, before we get into that action, quick shout-out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Narellan, and Parramatta, helping us get out each and every episode. Let's get right into it, mate. Well, mate, before we get into some of the Eels news floating around, a quick shout-out to a long-term servant of the Parramatta Junior Rugby League, Barry Guy. Barry Guy's stepping down after 43 years working in various roles, well, volunteering in various roles for the 
Parramatta District Junior Rugby League. He's uh, served on many committees. He's been a selector for Harold Matts and SG Ball teams back in the late 80s. And in more recent times, he's done all this whilst travelling down from Swansea. So he's been a dedicated servant of the club, as I said, for over four decades. I had the honour of interviewing Barry today for the Parramatta Juniors for a presentation that's being done for Barry at the AGM. We will have that interview posted on our YouTube channel in the very near future, so keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, again, congratulations and thanks to Barry Guy for such dedicated service to the Parramatta Juniors. Yeah, these sort of changings of the guards are always significant when you have someone that's put in so much time and effort as a volunteer. So well done to Barry and hopefully whoever steps in for him or they've got some big boots to fill, hopefully they can do um, anywhere near as good a job as he did. Absolutely, absolutely. And and fortunately, there are uh, many dedicated people that uh, give up their time in the Parramatta Junior Rugby League. So... Um, yeah, they, as you mentioned, however, that's uh, big shoes to fill there. Now, start. let's start off with a bit of an Eels training update because anyone reading the training reports would know that all players have now reported for duty. Now, that includes those players like uh, Gutho and uh, Junior who are back in rehab but not actually out on the training track. They've got a few other mates there joining them right now, like Makahesi Makatoa and uh, Wiramu Greg uh, that have been uh, forced into uh, rehab through either um, injury in the in the uh, recent representative games or in Wiramu's case uh, upon returning to training. But basically all players are, are back there now. And, well, they would be all glad that they were back training because... The session that was had on Wednesday, mate, it was probably the most punishing of the pre-season thus far. Uh, the the running, the conditioning work was just, it was relentless what they were asked to do. Um, it was, and interestingly, it was put at the end of the session rather than at the beginning of the session. So they continue to mix things up. There's a very high footy component that's there. I talk about the technical and the tactical component of the preseason, where they're working on um, not just skills, but they're actually working on their systems very, very early on. And I guess with so many new players involved in the preseason, when I say new players, of course, I'm talking about uh, pathways players in addition to new recruits. There's a lot of familiarisation that has to happen. And not only that, there are some um, different uh, shapes and plays and systems that are that are being employed by the Eels this coming season. So there has to be a familiarisation happening there. So a uh, really tough session. Um, yeah, I, I could say that we feel guilty watching it with uh, seeing the hard work that they put through as we sort of stand there and, you know, <laughs> um, do none of that sort of hard work and complain about, how hot it is standing in the sun watching. The to be training. fair, they are remunerated for those efforts. So, yes, uh, that, that is true. That is true. And, and to be fair, 
these are blokes that are you know in the in the prime <laughs> physical peak of their careers as opposed to an overweight 60 plus year old bloke standing there watching <laughs> so <laughs> um, there's there is most definitely a difference there uh, but look the fun part of it came at the end of the session where the so the players had just been uh, put through um, set after set of these particular runs that they were doing. And um, at various times, of course, they'd be given a, a, a very brief break where they could go and grab a drink of water, get themselves set, um, ready to go again for the next uh, set of runs. And um, anyway, as, it, as the session was hitting around that two-hour mark, they were called over for the drinks. I'm thinking, this is all over now. And lo and behold, they line them back up again, ready to go. The players are there waiting for the whistle. And instead of that shrill blast of the whistle to signal the start of the run, instead you got that familiar whistle that's blown at the full time of a match. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there was... There was, I, I suspect, uh, there was some wry smiles that happened out there. The um, it looked like sweet relief on the faces of the players. They knew, oh, absolutely, they would have known that they were in a tough session on Wednesday. So uh, we'll see what Friday has in store for them. Um, it, yeah. So and. I don't want to discourage people from reading the report. So there was also a few other interesting things that happened during Wednesday's session, but I'm now looking forward to seeing what happens there on Friday. A um, little bit of an update as well, mate, seeing as though I'm down there at Kellyville and catching the um, the sessions that are going on is uh, getting to see the progress that's happening on the Centre of Excellence. Now, obviously, it's still in the earth-moving stage, but anyone familiar with Kellyville would know what it would now look like when I say pretty much the hill that was there has now been removed. So um, there's a lot of dirt that's been extracted from there, as you can imagine, but there's still a long way to go from an excavation point of view. So uh, I'll try to keep capturing shots of the, uh, the progress and put mm -hmm. that up on a on a weekly basis on um, the Instagram account. So anyone listening there, if you haven't got an Instagram account or if you have, but you're not as yet following the Cumberland throw, uh, jump on, uh, give us a follow, and you'll be able to check out uh, some quick photos and videos of what's been happening up there in that regard. Uh, mate, uh, let's talk about... Um, a signing that the Raiders have made. Can you talk us through it? Yeah, so we talked about in the intro that there's been a flurry of signings and re-signings at other clubs. One of them, probably the single most important for the Parramatta Reels, perhaps pending what the Bulldogs do and what that might free up in the outside backs, but at Canberra, um, they've moved to re-sign Jamal Fogarty, and I believe it's a two-year extension, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Uh, but, yeah, it's an interesting timing on that one because, of course... The player that the Canberra Raiders had fought that had had signed an issue until the change of the CBA, which then led to a change in uh, approaching juniors, being uh, Ethan Sanders. Well, that sort of complicates the situation for them now because I'm I'm sure they'd be telling him 
that they've still got a spot for him, but they've just re-signed their halfback. Yeah, have they? Um, did they extend him, therefore, to the end of 26? Yeah, end of 26, correct. That, I mean, that's significant because that's three years from now. So There's you're talking about windows a three season. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this, this, whether this impacts the thinking of Ethan Sanders, because he has both Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown locked in for, what, three, four years, respectively, at, um, under contracts. And I know Dylan's got that rolling uh, contract where... I think it's like every three years he can extend it for another three years and yeah. as a, an unusual option. So he's theoretically locked in for life if he wants it. Um, and Mitch Moses, I think he might be like a four-year extension, something like that. But um, the, the bottom line is whether he stays at whether Ethan Sanders decides to stay at Parramatta or he moves to the Raiders, he's got players locked in in front of him for extended periods of time. Yeah, Mitchell Moses' and, contract at the end of 26, like Fogarty, then with two, player, ah, there you go. With two player options to be triggered each year after. So, that, uh, yeah, that, that mean, I mean, obviously player options mean they could just take it up. Uh, but that also means that there's a bit of space to work with that on the player side and even the club side sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, very, very interesting, the timing of all this stuff. For, you know, it, it, Not talking about sort of any loading in that thing, it's just it is interesting in a neutral sense where, you know, suddenly Canberra have complicated the picture on their end. Yeah, and whether this impacts the formal contract offer that comes from them mm-hmm. in... After round six, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, I'm assuming that anything that was suggested before is now null and void as such. I mean, they probably have an understanding with the player and uh, his management, but, I mean, it's the real the real deal has to be signed off on after round six. Um, I'm guessing that as well, maybe it opens the door for other clubs to come in with offers. Mm-hmm. You'd have to think that he's going to be have some level of demand out there that you know ex- the quality halfbacks are as scarce as hen's teeth, and he's the player that's regarded as a halfback on the rise. He's the incumbent New South Wales under-19s halfback. So that immediately puts him at the head of the class uh, of the group of players who are his peers. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see how that that pans out. So um, interesting times ahead there. It's... Do you want to offer an opinion, mate, at this stage about what you think is likely to happen? I I legitimately have no idea now, 60s, because... He's going to want to be a halfback, you know, a frontline half at an NRL club. Well, I, I would contend that Parramatta are a good spot for him to hone his craft either as a frontline or the, the first choice backup halfback to Mitchell Moses or perhaps in a, 
another robber gets in the first grade faster, whether it's as a utility or, uh, you know, something involving a Dylan Brown reshuffle, which I know is going to cause strong opinions either way, you know, talking about that. But, yeah, if, if he wants to be a frontline half, suddenly Canberra, well, he's got Fogarty blocking him the same way Mitchell Moses is blocking him. And while Fogarty isn't as good a player as Mitchell Moses, and you could argue that he's got a better chance of displacing him as a result. Canberra really liked Jamal Fogarty. Like, they brought him from the Gold Coast and they've really built around him. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether um, he, he sticks with either us or Canberra or if another club comes to the table. I'm actually kind of surprised that he hasn't been linked to another club at the very least, uh, given his, you know, talent and, you know, the position he occupies in the market as, like you said, the premier half among his peers in that 19s age group. So, yeah, very, very difficult to get a read on how this is going to play out. Uh, we, we do have a little bit of mail, I suppose, on that uh, we could talk about from the uh, Daily Telegraph where they had a, they're doing their pre-season uh, podcast focusing on each club and Parramatta are up this week. And they're, they're sort of mail from that, and I don't know how good it is, but the, the club is somewhat confident about potentially retaining Ethan. But I don't know. It, to me, it still seems like a difficult sell, right? Even though I do think it's a good spot for him to hone his craft, if you are a young playmaker who wants to be a starting player, the Parramatta Eels seem to be a pretty bad fit. Yeah. Look, the way I see it is Parramatta are probably taking the stance of we remain confident that we can offer him a a deal that he'll be interested in and that he'll stay with the club. And I'm sure from his perspective, he's probably wondering what's changed. What's changed at Parramatta that would make me change my mind about where I want to be in the future. And maybe from what we're reading into what's happening out there with Canberra is that it's Canberra and their decisions that might um, mm-hmm. change the mind of Ethan Sanders. I mean, he's the, he's really the one who can answer that, the only one who can answer that. And maybe what the Raiders are doing has absolutely no impact on the decision that he intends to make because maybe he backs himself to be able to win the spot immediately when he goes down there. So um, I guess we wait and see. Now, uh, the next thing, mate, I I was talking to you recently and saying, look, I don't think there's anything to the Curtis Scott to the Eels story because it's just really quiet. I'm, I'm not hearing the slightest bit about it. And then you've given me the update that explains that. Yeah, it came out today, I believe, if I quickly just scroll through my news tab here, uh, that, yeah, uh, Curtis Scott has been knocked back in his bid to get an NRL contract by, obviously, the game's governing body, and he's now considering, I believe, uh, a rugby union or Super League as uh, his career choices now. And now we've spoken at length about sort of the life choices that led Curtis to this situation, so it's no surprise that the NRL have knocked him back, in my opinion. Uh, and, and, yeah, even if he'd signed with the Parramatta Reels, I, you still view him as a depth option, not a front-line. Uh, certainly not a difference-maker at centre, but, you know, not even a, a front-line candidate, given he's been out of the game for a number of years. So makes it a, a moot point, a non-starter in terms of discussions. And, yeah, he's got to chase other career options now. Well, look, we're just about to hit into the general NRL news and everyone can be, I'm sure, is sitting on the edge of the seat waiting to hear 
what intermission music you've got lined up for us this week, <laughs> Bordy. But before we do, uh, just a quick shout out to the Blue and Gold Alliance, the BGA, the old boys of Parramatta. It's their weekend for their Christmas drinks catch up. So if you're an old boy with the with the Parramatta Eels, uh, make sure that you get in touch with the BGA to get the details on this weekend's Christmas drinks. Uh, we might just be making an appearance down there, mate, to catch up with uh, some of our friends in the BGA and to have a bit of a, a chat in the lead up to Christmas. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're a former eel you played grade football for the Eels at any level, please get in touch with the BGA uh, through their website, through their Facebook, and they'd be more than happy to have you come along and join them for their Christmas drinks this weekend. Uh, mate, it's intermission time. Oh, oh dear Lord. Of course, the uh, dulcet tones of Edvard Wirimu Greg, alongside uh, the very calming tone of uh, one Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Mate, I think you've outdone yourself. I'm disappointed that Clint's not here to get the magnificence of what you've provided for us. <laughs> he's he's just going to have to wait along with our listeners to hear it for the first time. So well done. And I'm looking forward to what you have on offer for next week. Okay. On with the NRL news. And we might just end up having to call this the bulldog segment (laughs) because it is relentless. It is absolutely relentless. The, if there is a player that's available, it's, I mean, in the past, we used to moan about the fact that any available player was immediately leaked to negotiations with the Parramatta Eels, and it was done as a way of bumping up the contract that might be offered to them. But there is genuine fire to the smoke of which players are being linked to the Bulldogs mm-hmm. because so many of them just seem to inevitably end up in discussions with them or even signing deals often, with them. Often photograph the field court. Yeah. <laughs> in a quote-unquote so, private meeting. Yeah. So, look, let's start off with one that would interest Eel supporters because the Dogs have been able to secure Connor Tracy mm-hmm. and part of that deal was a trade involving former Eels Pathways player Michael Jabril. Now, you and I both had huge raps on Michael when he was playing Harold Matz for the Eels. Just, well, we're only going back to 2022, aren't we, for his uh, his time in the Matz team mm-hmm. with the Eels. Um, so, gee, what can we say about, um, you know, the grass? Is it always greener at the Bulldogs if you're a an Eels Pathways player, if you're going to be immediately traded off to the Sharks. That's a, the Bulldogs are looking. 
for someone. In my opinion, and I know we, we always talk about how prospects aren't exactly a proven thing, but that's a heavy price to give up to sign, uh, what, a 28-year-old utility? Uh, 28, 29? Um, that, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that for Canterbury. Um, it, maybe maybe Gabriel didn't impress them the way we thought he would have when he made that jump. But like you said, it is a cautionary tale for uh, Canterbury and for the Cronulla Sharks. I really like this deal. I mean, they've managed to turn a guy who's going to, like, without a doubt, leave the club at the end of next season. And they've flipped him for a young asset who, when we last saw him, looked like he had serious NRL upside. And I, I believe it's not the first time the Sharks have done that in recent seasons. They've actually had started a trend of being able to flip some sort of NRL commodity for a young prospect on the backside, almost, you know, baseball style. Um, and, you know, we, we always talk about play swaps in a row and how they don't often happen, but Cronulla of a system now that seems to be working a little bit. So uh, well done to them, I suppose. They're, they're finding a way to get value out of expiring contracts, essentially. It'd be interesting to know what's happened as the background to this swap in terms of, you know, did Michael or his management also play a part in looking to get a better opportunity than maybe what was ahead of him at the Bulldogs because the Bulldogs have maybe they've assembled a back line where he didn't see the potential to make a first grade debut within a short period of time. Um, is that any, is it going to be any better at the Sharks? Well, yeah, he's walked into arguably an even bigger backlog, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, um, you know, unless there's something about to happen in terms of the Sharks losing some of these players, um, who knows? But as we said, here's a player who the Eels lost and plenty of us were critical of the club in having a scenario where one of the more talented centres to come through the pathways, or he was even at the start of the pathway system almost, uh, in terms of the junior representative teams, Allowing him to be signed by the Bulldogs, as I said, we weren't happy about that. But now, not much more than 12 months on, he's off to the Sharks. Yeah, so so I think it's fair for fans of the Blue and Gold to still be unhappy with the process. But like you were saying at the start, it does feel like a cautionary tale for any manager and young prospect where, much like how we sort of see the the City Roosters often be very... uh, forefront in their sort of shedding of young talent that isn't necessarily ready for NRL in the immediate future. Uh, you know, Josh Curran comes to mind immediately when you talk about a former Parramatta player in that regard. Uh, he was, you know, shed, cut by the Bulldogs in the middle of a pretty lucrative young deal and went to the Warriors where he ended up, you know, making a name for himself. Uh, yeah, the Bulldogs seem to be the same. You are a commodity, you're an asset. You know, you can be used in uh, any number of ways prior to making your first grade debut if it means bettering the club's opportunities in the short term. Well, I'm looking at the Eels uh, training squad and what I'm seeing is a number of peers of Michael Jabril in that Harold Matz team, uh, ones of similar age to him, mm-hmm. who are doing an NRL pre-season. So... We're talking about Richie Penasini. We're talking about Sam Tulvaiti, um, Matt Arthur. They're all, they were all playing Harold Matt's 
alongside Michael going back to um, 2022. So who knows? I mean, if he had stayed with the Eels, in all likelihood, he probably would have been doing this particular preseason. Oh, Blaze Talungi. Mm-hmm. There's a there's another uh, I mean, another uh, one of the uh, and spells. you know the the two positions Drew that have been spoken about. I mean, ignoring the X factor discussion, but the two positions that have been talked about ad nauseum as places where the Eels could definitely upgrade have been wing and centre. So yeah, yep. you know, you look at those sliding door moments, and you got to think that if he you know stuck around with Parramatta, maybe he'd be in the hunt for an NRL spot at some point in the coming season. Yes, absolutely true. Now sticking with the dogs. Oh, um, sorry, we uh, we didn't mention as well that in securing Connor Tracy, Connor Tracy is apparently on the injured list and won't be, what, running until January? Is Mid, that right? Mid-January per Gus Gould, yeah. So, you know, certainly you're not going to suggest they've signed the lemon. Connor Tracy's got a great track record in the Cronulla Sharks, but uh, he's not necessarily going to be full go come round one. Uh, we know how important having a proper preseason is to getting these guys fit and ready for full go. And, yeah, he's going to be behind the eight ball by some margin. Now, we speculated before about the dogs in all likelihood chasing Adam Fanua Blake, and now we know that that is Like um, the sands in the hourglass. Yes. And then there was a little bit of speculation that they would also dip the toe in the water for Jerome Luai. And, you know, you think to yourself, look, surely they were stretching it with Adam Fanua Blake from a salary cap perspective. They can't possibly be in with a genuine chance of securing Jerome Luai. And yet... <laughs> you wouldn't... You, you can't dismiss yet, it. You can't dismiss it. You can't dismiss is it. There, is there something that a canine would wear that would do the job of a sombrero. <laughs> I mean, because the image of a, of a bulldog wearing <laughs> uh, like it, a little novelty sombrero. I, oh, mate. Uh, look, I mean, you can't... Uh, look, I, the I, salary cap is just a number, 60s. It is just a number. Oh, look, people will say, and, and we've talked about it ourselves, that... In terms of some of the signings that the Bulldogs have made where it's been a plethora of utilities that they've added to their books and that some of those players aren't necessarily going to be on big money deals. But in these two players, we're talking about some serious coin with Adam Fanua Blake and Jerome Luai they do have some other players there who are on serious coin. And you'd also have to suggest that some of the other, some of the players that they've attracted were probably a little bit above the contracts that they were on at their old club to be drawn across to the Bulldogs. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I just hope, and I, I mean, we don't know. We don't. We're not the salary cap auditors or anything like that. But you'd like to think that people who have that sort of responsibility will be doing their job. 
that's all I've got to say I've, on that I've, because I've I've said my piece in this enough times in the past about uh, the salary cap scandals in the past and how they eventuated or manifested and the NRL's role in it. So I don't need to tread that uh, tread that ground again. Uh, yeah, if if your life depended on an NRL audit, you'd be uh wouldn't be too hopeful. No, no, absolutely true. But despite the Bulldogs weighing in with their interest in Luai, the Tigers remain confident of signing him. Is it the lure of Benji, mate? That, that seems to be, at least in the media, the way a lot of players uh, talk about it. I think Jaden Sullivan was on, must be Nine News, and he was talking about how the appeal of playing underneath Benji who was something of a childhood hero to him was, you know, the the lure and bringing him to the West Tigers on top of whatever, I suppose, whatever considerable cash they would have paid for a young half like that. Um, but Benji, you can understand, right? Because Benji, 05 to maybe 2012, that sort of six or seven year run, um, maybe it wasn't 2012, maybe, maybe 2011. I'm just trying to think of when the West, like the West Tigers have been, what, a decade outside the eight now, or outside the finals. So yeah. uh, it's about, it's about 2012, 2011. He had that, you know, six-year run where obviously 05 was insane and, you know, so many lifetime highlights come from that year. But in 09, he was great getting the Tigers in the hunt for the finals there. And in 2010 or 2011, they also had another good run. And you, you can understand why a lot of young players would love the flash and the pizzazz that Benji played with. You know, he, he dominated in a manner that was so explicit on television. Uh, big flashy sidesteps, chip kicks, uh, flick passes... So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of young players that legitimately would want to play or be associated with Benji. So uh, as much as, you know, we put the boot into the Tigers and they do something silly, I don't think it's unreasonable that, yes, they'd be offering big money for a lot of these players and that is obviously appealing too. But the idea of playing with Benji isn't as far-fetched as it would seem given how bad the Tigers are. Yeah, we spoke a bit about their recruitment and I conceded if I was to make comparisons to between the Tigers' recruitment and the Eels' recruitment during our wooden spoon seasons, I think it's chalk and cheese. Mm-hmm. I think the you know the recruit, recruiting that the Eels did across 11, 12 and 13 seasons... Yeah. Um, Recruitment's a gen- generous word, I think. Yes, yes. So um, the money that was paid for a players who are at the very end of their career was yeah it's probably best not to talk too much about it but which makes the, the, Tigers, the Tigers conundrum so fascinating doesn't it because they've recruited legitimately talented players but yeah they uh, I would argue that their brand of football was probably a better product than what Parramatta put out in those same years but in terms yes. of win rates they're, they're every bit as bad as the 2011 to 2013 Eels. Well, I guess we'll see just how much of an influence Benji Marshall can have because he's part of the coaching setup last year, which did not produce results that were any better than the previous years. Mm-hmm. He had the experienced mentor in Tim Sheens leading the coaching team. Uh, there's... Uh, the two of them and uh, Robbie Farah, in terms of experience, knowledge, um, the lure of successful players, you probably couldn't get much better than those two. 
and yet it just didn't happen. And there were plenty of people prepared to say that Benji was making a lot of the big calls last year, even though Tim Sheens was the official head coach. Mm -hmm. So we'll, I guess we'll, we'll watch this space in yeah, terms it, of... It's going how, to be one of the most performed. intriguing storylines of 2024. Uh, does Is Benji going to be the catalyst for change at the West Tigers? Uh, and we know that the problems at the West Tigers go beyond the coaching staff, we, as we speak about it often, you know, and as the Jake, the great Jack Gibson once said, you know, winning starts in the front office. Um, Benji's going to have a serious handicap when it comes to that. He, he's dealing with that, which is a, you know, colossal, at, like, Atlassian sort of burden. Um, but the recruitment's been good, and it could feature Jerome Law. Now, we've made our point about whether Jerome is going to be the guy that turns around with the West Tigers, and I don't think he is especially with all this talking about him playing halfback. The conversation's now turned from signing the play in the halves to signing the play number seven. Um, maybe it's the making of him. Maybe he can step up and be that guy. I think and on, you know, as you like to say on facts presented, uh, I don't think he is that guy. But, you know, in the history of rugby league and, and many other sports, guys can make jumps like that and it can be the making of him. But uh, given the money we're talking about, 1.1 plus, uh, you want to hope he's the guy. Now, this could all come to fruition because there is apparently some sort of swap deal that could expedite Luai joining the Tigers. Yeah, Rugby League Mole reporting today. Today? Yesterday? I think it was today. Uh, so, you know, you take a pinch of salt when it comes to Rugby League rumours, but Mole reporting that the Panthers are interested in a player swap with the West Tigers to expedite or accelerate any potential deal that gets done for season 2025, where Jerome Loy is a free agent to join another club, uh, saying that if, uh, per Mole, if uh, they get David Clemmer and their young halfback, who I believe is a flag halfback, uh, Lachlan Galvin, they'd be entertaining the idea of uh, releasing Loy from his 2024 contract to play for the West Tigers. Now, if you're the West Tigers and you have the opportunity to let someone like Clemmer go to get a player who's in high demand in a position that you're looking to strengthen, you'd be on board with that sort of swap, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, if it means sacrificing a, a guy at the end of his career in David Clemmer who you know, uh, would have value for the, the Penrith Panthers who are in a very much a constant state of win now and they can shore up their middle and a young, unproven halves prospect in Galvin who they'd have to uh, rate massively, right, to, to not make this deal happen. Um, yeah, I, I think you get this done. If, you, if you're convinced that he's your guy, um, yeah, you, you get it done. I, I guess if you're the Panthers as well, someone like a Dave Clemmer, who's been highly disappointing at the end of his time at the Bulldogs, he's been highly disappointing during his time at the Knights, and he was he really didn't set the world on fire in 2023 at the Tigers. But if you're the Panthers, you'd be thinking, this bloke in our environment mm -hmm. is probably every chance of producing just what we need from him in 
controlled minutes probably coming off the bench, controlled aggression, and having the confidence of running around with premiership winners yeah, he's on playing, either side. Of- would be playing behind Leota and Fisher-Harris, so he's not been asked to lead the pack. Just comes in, cracks some skulls, makes some metres. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like a no-brainer. Uh, we'll pick him up. And then the real, um, the real meat. Out something. I was going to say that. You work out. Oh, you go. Sorry, you go, mate. <laughs> I was just going to say you work out something so that the contract is probably not what the contract the the Tigers yeah. are playing. Yeah, no doubt. Lemma. Exactly. They take on a fair chunk of that uh, cap allocation, I dare say. And you look at that yep. as Clemmer being the guy to help you chase a crazy fourth straight title, and then Galvin being the potential real sweetener in the deal was a guy who can be the long-term partner of Cleary. Uh, you know, he's your prospect that you're taking a risk on. Um, but yeah, you get, you get a little bit of the best of both worlds, right? A guy to come in and help you win now and a guy to come in and help you win down the road. Absolutely. Now we wrap up the player contract news with a bit of mail coming out of the Roosters that Satili Tupanua has extended his contract deal to the end of 2027. He's certainly a talent, mate. It's um, And I guess if you're happy at a club and you're being paid Roosters money, there's probably no need to go anywhere else, is there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, you're looking at your bank account for a smile. So, look, the Roosters have struggled for a couple of years now, um, and a Sydney Roosters struggle is a far cry from most clubs struggling too. It means yeah. they've been on the either at the bottom of the eight, not really a title contender for that year, or you know fighting for the eight uh, more recently. Uh, they, yeah, they they don't struggle the way other clubs struggle. So uh, you, you'd be pretty confident they're going to right the track sooner rather than later. Um, and yeah, Tupanoa, outstanding young back rower, had some injury problems uh, in the most recent year that kept him out of regular first grade, but uh, always had a massive rap on him. Sixties, both of us. Um, and yeah, I think there was actually a juncture at one point where he was very close to being an eel before he played first grade. And that's a, a big what if there, isn't it? Uh, very talented. Absolutely. Unique skill set too. He's got that tall, rangy build, almost like Sean Lane, but uh, not not they're not the same player still. Uh, but he's very good at hitting the line. Uh, very, very good back rower. So good fit there. Good go for the Roosters. Uh, and he's also joined by a fellow back rower, Nat Butcher. Uh, in extending, and I think the other signing news this week was Jacob Saifidi re-signing with the Newcastle Knights. So they're, the, they're all the big names that re-signed or signed somewhere this week. Um, but yeah, Tupanoa, the, the, alongside uh, Sua Wong, who just re-signed as well, it means that the Roosters are pretty well stocked in the back row for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I guess we're waiting to see whether they hit the player market in a serious way looking to attract someone that's going to change their fortunes. Good question, because they've, yeah. they've, they've actually spent some big goals in recent years, Brandon Smith, uh, the year before, and obviously this coming season, Dom Young and uh, Spencer Lenu. Um, the Roosters always have, like, as I mentioned, the Bulldogs, that very flexible salary cap where it's just a number. And they're also ruthless when it comes to culling players that they think are going to stand in their way of making progress. So it's always interesting to see what the Roosters do. Um, they are... Obviously a very well-run franchise, but they are also shockingly aggressive at times too when it comes to both internal and external movements. And like you said, they, they could be someone to watch when it comes to 
uh, potential signings that they feel will get them back on the uh, right track towards the top of the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the last bit of player news is Val Tafare from the Dolphins has apparently been put into some sort of fat camp. Yeah, 10 kgs to over. Keep weight under, under control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the uh, one of the real positive stories of the season just past, making his debut in Magic Ground, scoring a double, I believe, on debut for the Dolphins, uh, and then seeing some more first-grade time. But even back then, it was obvious that the big fella, and, you know, it's a pretty loose, not sorry, pretty non-loose use of the term big fella, because he was still packing a few kilos over what I would have deemed to be uh, a good playing weight for him. Um, the off-season hasn't been kind to him, it looks like, and, yeah, he's being put in a fat camp. And from there... Um, you know, it's it's tough when you're 10 kgs over, and they've been giving him. I think they've given him two weeks to to shed kilos. You you cannot get rid of 10 kilos of fat in that time frame. Um, if you're shedding water mass on a given day, you can make a big a big change. But they obviously need to see some serious signs of improvement in the next fortnight. Otherwise, he'll be consigned to playing Reggie's. I see. I dare say for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Q cup. Yep. Run around in Q cup. Run there, around but... in Reggie's. Yep. <laughs> It's amazing how quickly the weight can be packed on mm-hmm. in an off season if the player doesn't stay in work or uh, really lets the hair down in terms of what they consume during that period of time. We've over the years we've seen a few players at the Eels that'll come back and you know, I mean, there's not too many of them really, but there was the odd one or two player players that look like they might have sat on the lounge for that period of time and uh, and and put on a, you know, a bit of weight and it takes them a few weeks to come to hand at the uh, during the preseason but um, that was that was a significant growth during the season from 114 to 125 I think it was yeah it, that, it, um, it is fascinating seeing how players can bounce around whether it's in the offseason or post playing career because it, you know it's not binary. I think there's probably three, three-ish sort of ways it comes out. There are guys like, say, David Lydiard, who obviously is a, a real uh, regular for the show, uh, who is in tremendous shape, even you know decades down the road from when he played. Uh, and you know, there's obviously younger players out of the game that would be similar, guys that take their fitness very seriously. There are guys like Tafare who, you know, bounce around the wrong side of the scales and pack on the kegs. But then there are some big units, and this happens in the NFL a lot too for offensive and defensive linesmen, but uh, also you know the big tall back rollers in the NRL oftentimes. Guys that, when you play these games, you have to eat at a surplus often in order to maintain weight, the, the big weight, right? The game-changing weight that lets you break tackles and storm through uh, contact. When they actually stop playing, they shed kilos and look like a completely different person. So yes. unfortunately for Valance, he's a bit like me and you, I think, where he's going to be on the wrong side of the, uh, the scales when he uh, hangs up the boots. But uh, he's got a battle ahead for himself in the meantime to get back into playing weight and, and be back in the mix for the, Dol- the Dolphins, who have a pretty congested backline next year. So he is definitely on the outside looking in. Yeah, absolutely. And he's probably doesn't want to be one of these players that at the end of his career he'll he looks back and goes, what if, mm-hmm. you know, this is, the, this is the time to do something about it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I suspect that were he not to uh, succeed next year, he might get an opportunity somewhere else, but you could almost bet that he's got maybe a two-year time frame right now to 
make something happen. And he, I don't, if he's him, if you're him, you don't want to go into that second year. You want to make it this coming year where he makes something of it. And finally, mate, we had the appointment of Madge as the New South Wales State of Origin coach made official this week. He came out swinging as well, telling everyone how much he hates Queensland and how uh, no player is guaranteed their spot next year, which I suppose is what you want to hear, honestly. Um, you know, we, we've got a few incumbents in the New South Wales team that we've spoken about in the podcast, and you sort of you, you lead that with James Tedesco, who struggled in season 2023, and I don't think his spot should be considered uh, a given. So Madge saying the right things, uh, obviously enjoyed some strong success with New Zealand in recent uh, time. Uh, and look, he's always been hailed as a good coach. He got uh, the bunnies to their breakthrough title back in 2014. Obviously, things soured there, and there was some talk about him being too Spartan at the Rabbitohs for long-term success. But uh, I think he was an unfair scapegoat at the West Tigers. And you can really... The, the dovetailing from that moment where they got rid of Maguire probably sort of consigned South to uh, South West to being who they are uh, up until these recent seasons. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the cauldron of origin for the Blues. Uh, I don't think he's going to have too many biases when it comes to selection. Uh, I, I can't imagine he's going to be looking favourably upon Kiwis <laughs> or, or West Tigers players. Uh, so, you know, he's going to bring a nice neutral balance to that. And uh, if <sighs> origin requires a specific mindset when it comes to coaching, um, and I think Madge, with his success at representative level of the, the Kiwis, probably has what it takes to get a team up for the three-game series. So I'm going to give him a, a preemptive uh, thumbs up here and, and sort of be optimistic at what he can bring to the table for the Blues. Mate, I'm going to join you and be optimistic in Madge being able to turn the Blues' fortunes around this coming season. I think this may well be his area that he'll excel in. Mm -hmm. I know he's a premiership winning coach, but I think as a representative coach, that might end up being his niche. And uh, good luck to him. Good luck to our Blues. And, mate, I think that just about wraps up. There is one our last thing I wanted to quickly house. shout out, um, and that was okay, Ryan, yep. Ryan Madison, who was on the news this week uh, in a positive light. And I know that Matter has been a polarising figure for the Blue and Gold uh, with his choice to, unfortunately, accept the suspension over a, uh, over a, a fine out of the grand final. Uh, but he's doing some great stuff off the field with the Meraki Disability Foundation. Um, I don't know if you caught the snippet on the, the news. I think it was on both 7 and 9. Uh, but he's doing some great work there. And it was actually quite a, a touching segment about uh, building on his tenure uh, with the Giant Steps program, which we've obviously spoken about a lot in the past. Uh, he now has his own foundation. He works with his brother, Dean, um, and they help out uh, a lot of families when it comes to the disabled children and helping the kids have better times and also helping the parents uh, sort of also have some free time too, which is huge when you're in that sort of environment. Um, so, yeah, doing some great stuff there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Dean Madison was uh, one of the peers of... Um, our good mate Steve down yes, there with uh, was, yeah. uh, at, when he was at Giant Steps and um, and is now with What Ability. So it's not necessarily a surprise that uh, both Madisons are involved in this community work. Uh, Dean is, I'm assuming, still with uh, Manly this coming season. 
um, okay, after actually, making his NRL debut I'll in 2023. Let me see if he's still contacted. Uh, I'm sure that I saw something about his um, extending his deal at the Seagulls last year. But he, look, they're, I mean, they are they are people who are very interested in giving back to the community. And uh, what you're not going to get from p- people like that is, I, I guess, portraying the club in any sort of negative manner. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always going to be, I guess, the best versions of themselves. They're, they're always going to uh, bring positivity to the club and to the community that they represent. So, yeah, a uh, big thumbs up there for, yeah, for and, that. And it's it's always nice to see the person behind the player uh, in these. And, and look, so I know that the cynics will say that they're putting on a facade for their own PR, uh, but we've seen, me and you have seen the work that's been done with Giant Steps and what ability and how much of a genuine involvement a lot of these players have. And I, I do believe that the two Madison boys are sincere uh, in their efforts here. So well done to them. And on Dean 60s, development contract for next year, but he will be in a full-time role, a top 30 role in 2025, which is also the same for Tarsi James at Manly, going development in top 30 the year after. So interesting. Yeah, they like a former real over They do at, love uh, a Manly, former real, don't they? Yeah. As, as much as Parramatta seems to enjoy a former Sea Eagle. It's a yeah, two-way street it's these true. days, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, uh, you know, I'm sure... I, I had heard in the past that the two clubs have quite a good working relationship in that regard. So, uh, you know, prepared to go to negotiating tables about uh, different players. So um, well well done to um, both of the Madisons there. And, um, yeah, a, a bit of a shout-out as well to Stevie Dresler. As I said, it brings back memories of... Um, our visits down to Giant Step mm-hmm. School at um, uh, down on the uh, on the water there, and um, yeah. what suburb was that again? It was um, say Glazeville. Glazeville, I believe it's it's somewhere around Glazeville, yeah. And you, you talk about yeah. players yeah. that have turned career setbacks into massive career upside. Uh, Steve Rosa really has that list. Yeah, a guy that was cut short of any chance of playing first grade due to a debilitating knee injury and he's gone on to do incredible things off the field so well done Stevie well look with I mean he's obviously taken it that step further in starting um, the Wattability mm-hmm. uh, organisation but Steve was passionate about that uh, and about working with uh, pe- young people on the autism spectrum when he was looking to forge his own NRL career so he was an active player and he was already taking on such a proactive role in that space and setting about providing respite care and and drumming up uh, publicity and support for the school that he worked at down there at Giant Steps. And now all that enthusiasm, all that drive, all that passion for helping people has manifested in the uh, Wattability organisation. And if the Madisons are going on, and there's obviously a great need for that in the community, for helping those that uh, that do require um, this sort of assistance, then 
uh, or you know, more power to them. And yeah, it, it is okay. I think we're we're wrapped. Yeah, it's I think that, I think that is a wrap. It's nice down on a really strong positive note like that. Um, plenty of fun stuff to discuss this week. A lot, like I said, a lot of Paramount news about much news really, uh, but it feels like the ripples of other actions and signs across the NRL are helping shape what's coming up for Parramatta and if the Bulldogs make a move who knows what that means for the outside back market uh, Canberra resigning Jamal Fogarty keeps that whole Ethan Sanders situation intriguing and all we can do is uh, wait um, get your training reports and maybe be a little bit optimistic about season 2024 yeah maybe waiting for some of these dominoes to start mm-hmm. falling and and see what it leads to so uh, in the meantime a shout out to Clint Mate, we hope you are feeling better and soon. Uh, I know you got knocked about by this bug that you've picked up, but, um, yeah, get well, mate. Uh, to our listeners, thank you again for tuning in and uh, catching up with the latest in Paradise and the NRL with this podcast. John, well done again. Thank you to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta. And as I always say, go you mighty eels.